how can we apply those things to our lives here? And so um, talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, kind of an overview, and we mentioned four things that Jesus values. We said that he values people, he values truth, he values presence, and he values mission. And so last week we talked about the fact that he values people, and so today we're going to be talking about the fact that he values truth. And so it, I, I came across this verse as I was doing my study, and I, I just thought it was a neat verse. In John chapter 18, this isn't like critical to the message today, um, so if you've got your Bibles, you can look it up, but if you miss it, it's okay. John chapter 18, Jesus is on trial before a guy named Pilate, and this is right before he gets crucified. And so Pilate and Jesus are having this discourse, and as they're talking, Pilate says in verse 37, so you're a king, and Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. And then Pilate poses this question that I think is huge for today. He says, what is truth? And I think that's where we find ourselves a lot in this day and time is a question of what is truth? Like, like what is truth to us? What are the things that we find true? And, and I've noticed that truth is very subjective in our world today. Truth is very subjective. As a matter of fact, we base truth on, on what we, a lot of times there was a time when you base truth on what you could hear, see, or touch, and then we realize that people are manipulating the things that we hear, see, and touch, and so, so now we're not even sure if that's true. And then, and then we, we moved into this era where we, we based all of our truth on our perspective. It's all about perspective, and I don't know how many times you've had to deal with someone in counseling situations. I deal with counseling situations a lot. And a lot of times I'll talk to him and I'll talk to her or I'll talk to this party and I'll talk to that party. And they're both seeing the same situation from a different perspective. And to them, it's true. Both sides think it's true. And in reality, they, they're both skewed somewhat. And so, so truth is subjective to, to, their, to their perspective. And then you've got what we find ourselves in now. And that is a lot of people base truth on their feelings. Well, because I feel like this, then therefore it must be true. And I don't know about you, but that's the craziest of all the three ways to base your truth on is on your feelings. Because my feelings change from day to day. My feelings are inconsistent. And, and so if it, today I feel really good because LSU hasn't played yet, but they're playing this evening. And if they lose, my truth tomorrow, if it's based on my feelings, is not going to be good truth, Right? If my truth is, if they win tonight, then tomorrow, whatever my kids ask for, they're getting. Because my truth is different because of my feelings. The problem is we can't base our truth, we can't base our truth on things that are subjective, things that, that, are, that are different. You can't base it. So whenever you're having an argument with your spouse, let me help you wives out there. Um, I know wives are always right. I understand. I get the concept. My wife is always right. Um, in her mind. And so the thing is, what you got to remember is it's always true from the where you're looking. But remember, that other person has a point of view too, right? And, and here's what I tell people. I tell my kids this. I tell counseling. I tell people this all the time. I said, there, there's three kinds of truth. There's your truth, their truth, and the truth. And if we could ever step back, if we, could ever, if we could ever take an objective look at the situation and step back and see something from someone else's point of view, see something from God's point of view where it's objective and, and we can see what truth actually is, then it changes the way we deal with people. And, and here's the thing about truth. Truth isn't always fun. How many of you know this? Truth isn't always fun. You lean in to give your wife a kiss and all of a sudden she turns her face like this and goes, <gasps> guess what she's saying to you, fellas? 
Your breath stank. It's not good to hear that. My wife doesn't tell me my breath stinks. She just turns and breathes real deep and then comes back for the kiss. Right? She'll hold her nose and then give me a kiss. She doesn't want to tell me because she doesn't want to hurt my feelings. I'm like, the fact that you're gasping for air is hurting my feelings because I'm not an idiot and I know what you're doing. Sometimes the truth hurts and sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. We don't always want to hear the truth. And so today's not a day necessarily to beat people up with truth. That's not what I want to do. But I do want you to be aware of the fact that that whenever we get into the Word of God and there's some things that come out of the Word of God, it's not always fun and it's not always easy. I heard a preacher one time was preaching this message and the whole time he was preaching, it was a, it was a, a rather hard message and, and he was preaching about a certain particular sin and he knew that there was a guy in his congregation that needed to hear this message and he noticed every time he hit a point, the guy would just do this. He'd hit another point, the guy would do this. And after the message, he walked up to the guy and he said, why do you keep fanning your head like that? And the guy said, well, I didn't want to hear what you had to say, so I just passed it on to the next person. <laughs> and that's where we are with truth a lot of times. We just, I don't want to hear that. Someone's going to pass it on to the next person. Sometimes, you know, you're in the middle of something and you realize the truth. Have you ever been in one of those situations? Have you ever been in a, in a situation where you're in an argument and then you realize you're wrong, right? Sometimes you're in the middle of a situation and when you realize truth, it doesn't feel good and it hurts your feelings. So right now we've got a dog. We've got Nola, our, our best dog in the world. She's amazing. And then somehow I got conned into by my family and by the neighbors into this stray dog that's now at my house, who's an incredible little dog. I love this dog. I mean, I would love to give this dog to you. If anybody in here needs a puppy, I've got one for you. And she can sit. Um, and she's completely black. And so if you ever need to trip on something, that's your dog, because she lays in the middle of the floor, and we've got dark wood floors, and so she just disappears, and we're constantly kicking her and tripping over, and um, she's, she's a nice little dog, and I'd love to give her to you. But um, one of the things this dog does that we didn't realize is, um, and, and I don't mean to be gross, but it is what it is when talking about dogs, you talk about things, and so Nola uh, goes to the bathroom at the very bottom of our hill where we never walk. She's a very private dog. She likes to go in the bushes where no one can see her. She's a lady. This new dog doesn't understand the concept of being a lady. She's kind of a tramp. And so she, she just poops wherever she wants to. She does her thing. She doesn't care who sees her. She just does what she wants to do. And so the other day we were, it was late at night. And I don't want any dogs using the bathroom in my house, obviously. And so I take them out to use the bathroom. It's late at night. And so the dogs are out. Well, this dog is scared to go down the stairs by herself. And so I have to walk her down the stairs outside. And I get her down the stairs. And I push her off into the grass. And she's not using the bathroom, so I thought, well, if I walk her around, she'll use the bathroom. And I'm barefoot, and I take one step. And I can feel, I can feel what I think, nay, what I hope is mud squishing up between all of my toes. But guess what? The truth is, it was not mud. And I had to walk back in the house like this. And I discovered a truth that hurt my feelings, a truth I didn't want to know. And the truth that I didn't want to know is that was not mud, that was dog poop, and it was in between all of my toes. And it's late at night, and I'm ready to go to bed, and I had to get in the bathtub in my kid's room because I didn't want to wake up my wife, and I'm scrubbing my toes in the bathtub at 11.30 at night because of this dog that I would love to give to any one of you. <laughs> Just see me afterwards. Adoption is going to be cheap. I'll give you a bed, I'll give you food, I'll give you whatever it takes. I'll pay you. 
I'll give you, I, I can find $100 somewhere. You can have this dog. So, anyway, sometimes we don't like to hear the truth, but sometimes the truth is necessary. It's necessary. I could have avoided that truth, just shook my foot off, and gone and got in bed with Perry. But here's what happens. Now, listen, this, listen I know that's a stupid story. But here's, here's the reality of the situation. This is what we do oftentimes with truth. When truth hits us that we don't like, we avoid it, and then it affects everybody else around us. When we avoid truth, it affects everybody else around us. You've got to deal with the truth. And it's not always fun, but sometimes you've got to deal with it. So I want to, I want to look at a couple of things. First of all, we're talking about Jesus valuing truth. I want to just give you a couple of interactions that Jesus had with people when it comes to truth that I think is interesting. Because we get this, um, this view of this, you know, white-skinned, blonde hair, blue-eyed, limp-wristed, sissy Jesus that always went through life floating and never touched the ground. And he just made everybody feel good all the time. And that's not who Jesus was. The Bible says in Matthew 12, verse 30, he says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus doesn't say, I love everybody and everybody's on my side and we're all best buddies. He says, if you ain't with me, you're against me. If you're not helping me, you're hurting me. Jesus says in, in verse 34, he's speaking to the, to the religious leaders of the time that are trying to, um, they're, they're all mad. They've been mad throughout Matthew 12 because Jesus is doing things like healing people on the Sabbath and, and he's loving people that shouldn't be loved and, and they're all mad at him. And here's what Jesus says. Mr. Uh, Passive Jesus says, You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right for whatever is in your heart determines what you say? Jesus is very difficult sometimes because he'll speak the truth and he doesn't mind if it hurts your feelings a little bit. There's another passage I didn't include today because I used it a couple of weeks ago. And it's where Jesus speaks the truth. And the Bible says that many of his disciples turned and left. He understood that the truth is going to hurt sometimes. And not everybody wants to hear the truth. I love this. So in Matthew 22, this is the one I really wanted to share. This interaction because the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they're trying to cut him down. And they're going to use a little bit of truth to, to, to cut Jesus down. And I like what they said. Um, they, in verse uh, 22, verse 16, it says, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you don't care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. I love that. I love that because this comes from a place of hurt feelings. They said, Jesus, we know you tell the truth and we don't, we know you don't care what we think. Because Bob didn't come because he's crying in his office right now. You know, like, like they're hurt and Jesus is just that kind of guy. Like he is willing to tell the truth even if it hurts. And so in order for us to understand truth and how to value truth, if we understand that truth can hurt, then I think we need to learn how to use truth in a proper way. So, so my dad, growing up, we always had guns and um, firearms is a big part of our life. And one of the things that my dad always taught us is he said, treat every firearm like it's loaded because it is, right? Um, we believe in our home that every firearm should be loaded all the time. I know not everybody believes that. Some of you guys leave all your bullets out and whenever the bad guys come, you're going to get shot trying to find your bullets. <laughs> it is what it is. We keep all of our weapons loaded, every single one of them. 
And that's a safety measure for us because we understand that you've got to be careful with the firearm. You've got to know how to use the firearm because it could hurt somebody. And, and so one of the things that we always learned was we always learned um, what is this firearm? How does it work? Um, what is it for? How do I use it? So, so my dad would always make us like we would have to clean the guns. We would have to look inside of them. We would have to understand how the trigger works, how the firing mechanism works. Like we had to understand the guns before we could use the guns, if that makes any sense. And we had to know what the guns were for. Not every gun is for hunting, right? And not every gun is for hunting deer. Um, some, some guns are for hunting squirrels, and some are for hunting rabbits, and some are for, for just target practice. Like, there's different things that each gun is useful for, and we had to understand all of that kind of stuff in order for us to be safe and use the guns properly. And so what I want to do today is I want to understand that the truth is something that is very good for us. We need to value truth, but at the same time, we also have to understand that the truth can hurt people. And so we have to understand how to use it properly. Um, And so I want to look at a couple of things real quick, and I'm going to give you three different lists. We're going to run through three different lists today, and then, then I'll be done. So the first thing we need to understand is what is truth? Like, where do we get our truth? If we don't get our truth from our feelings, if we don't get our truth from our perspective, if we don't get our truth always from what we can um, hear and see and touch, if there's, there's got to be another place to get our truth. Because if those other things can deceive us, then we've got to find a truth that's not deceptive. We've got to find a truth that's not deceptive. And so, so I, I want to look at this. The first place we get our truth is we need to understand that God's word is our standard of truth. Psalm 119, 160 says this, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. I love the fact that that the psalmist said the sum of your word. In other words, when I look at the entire story, when I look at the entire book from Genesis to Revelation, now look, you can take pieces and make it say what you want it to say, but when you look at the entire book, the sum of your word is truth. Not true, although I believe it's true. I'm not talking about true. I'm talking about truth. Truth is what I build my life on. Truth is what I live by. And so I need to understand that God's word, the sum of his word, is truth. The second thing is this. Jesus is our example of truth. So if God's word is our standard of truth, then Jesus is the example of that standard, how to live that out, how to walk that thing out. And so in John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You need to understand today, first, it's the word of God is truth. Second, Jesus is our example of that truth. Not a politician, not some TikTok influencer, right? Not a preacher. Jesus has to be our standard of truth. And if you look up to the preacher or you look up to the influencer or you look up to the celebrity as your standard of truth, I promise you they're going to fail you. I can't tell how many times I've listened to a preacher and I got real excited and I thought this is really good stuff. And then all of a sudden you find out that that same preacher has been sleeping with five or six different women that weren't his wife. And it crushes you, right? It crushes you. And so we've got to understand that we can't look up to these people. We only look to Jesus as our example. And the third place we get our truth. So, so we get our truth from God's word. We get our truth from Jesus watching his life. And then we get our truth from a third place. And that is the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our guide to all truth. John 16, 13 says this. 
When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. One of the great things that I, I try to explain to people when it, when it comes to growing in Christ, and, and my heart is for all of us to grow in Christ. We talked about that last week, how we said we have to value growing in Christ versus growing a crowd, right? Like having a crowd is good and it's nice and it's fun, but if we have a big crowd and we're not growing spiritually, then we're not really doing our job. And so, so one of the things about that is this, is, is understanding that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And I tell people a lot when they say, I, I need to read my Bible, what do I do? A lot of times I'll say, start with the book of John. Start with the book of John, because the book of John is going to tell you a lot about the life of Jesus Christ. And I'll say this, whenever you read your Bible, if you're one of the people that says, I can't really understand God's word, I'll say this, before you read your Bible, before you read the book of John, you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you through those scriptures. And I said, and then be on the lookout, because what's going to happen is you're going to see one verse come out. You're going to see, see one one passage come out that's going to stand out to you and that's the holy spirit speaking to you why because he wants to lead us and guide us into all truth now i've heard some progressive uh speakers speak before and they said this they said that the holy spirit leads you into new truth leads you into new truth and and i'm going to tell you right now that's not that's not it right the holy spirit doesn't lead us into new truth he leads us into truth period And anything the Holy Spirit leads you into is going to be backed up by the life of Christ and the Word of God. These three things work together. And so if you think you've got some kind of revelation from the Holy Spirit, if you think you've got some kind of new truth that that all of a sudden the Bible says it's okay for you to have seven wives, then what I want you to do is back that up to Jesus and then back that up to God's Word. If you think it's okay for you to cheat uh, your business partner, then what I want you to do is I want you to back that up See what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. If he begins to convict you about it, then probably you're wrong. And then if you back it up to God's word and back it up to Jesus, you're going to find the real truth. And so these three things work together in our life to establish truth. Not our feelings, not our emotions, not our celebrities, not what we see on TV. God's word, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. This is where we establish truth. And if we have truth, then what do we need to do with truth? Like, what is truth for in us? And, and this is a key point, because I know what's going to happen. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you how to use truth. And I know what we're going to do. We're going to want to know, how do I use truth to combat that guy in the office next to me that gets on my nerves, right? How do I use God's word to tell that guy he's scum? That's what happens to a lot of us. We want to use God's word. And so here's what I need to understand. I need to understand the the, the purpose or the value of God's word. Because if I understand the value of God's word, it'll help me know how to use God's word. If I understand understand that that the, the rifle is used for deer, then I'm not going to go try to shoot a rabbit with the rifle. Why? Because I'll just blow the rabbit up. Little kids in the room. Sorry, should have gone to kids' church today. Um, but if you stay down here, pastor's going to tell you some pretty gross stuff. So, um, so I have to understand, I have to understand the purpose, right? The purpose of the truth. And so there's three purposes that I can find in Scripture for truth. Number one, truth cleanses us. Truth cleanses us. 1 Peter 1.22, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed what? The truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. 
right off the bat, we need to understand the purpose of truth is to cleanse. And if my purpose of using truth is to hurt, then I'm doing something wrong. If my purpose of truth is to combat somebody, I'm doing something wrong. Because the purpose of truth first is to cleanse. And I love how Peter says, not only is it to cleanse you, but now you need to love people with that understanding. Love your brothers and sisters. Love those around you with the understanding that truth is meant to cleanse. It doesn't mean I don't hurt people's feelings. Listen, there's times when, when feelings have to get hurt. All you got to do is be a parent for five minutes and you're going to have to tell your kids a truth that's going to hurt their feelings. It comes up sometimes, but the idea is, is what is the truth I'm giving? Am I cleansing these people? Am I helping or am I hurting? The second thing truth does is truth sanctifies us. The word sanctify means to be set apart. It it means it differentiates us. It it puts us in a different category. I once went this way, but now I'm in the truth. And so therefore, I walk this way and I'm different from everybody else. I'm different from culture. I'm different from from people that are driven by their emotions. I'm different from religious. I've got to be driven by my truth. And so John 17, 17, I love this. This is Jesus praying. And I want you to hear what he prays. He's about to go to the cross and he's praying for his disciples. And he says this to God. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. When we establish God's word as our truth. Now look, we can establish a leadership lesson as our truth. We can go find a good book as our truth. We can listen to the coach as our truth. But when we establish God's word as our truth. It sanctifies us. It sets us apart from everybody else. As a church, what do we want to value? We want to value the fact that we're going to allow God's word to drive us. We're not going to allow our emotions to drive us. We're not going to allow our opinions to drive us. We're not going to allow our preferences to drive us. We want to be driven by God's word. If it hurts my feelings, so be it. I would rather be set apart than be satisfied. So I want to be set apart. How does that happen? God's word sanctifies us. The truth sanctifies us. And the third thing that the truth does is it sets us free. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom comes whenever we're a Christ follower and we're faithful to his word and we walk in that truth. That's where we find some freedom. That's where we find some freedom. Um, One of the things we got to think about is whenever I'm speaking truth to someone else, I've got to have in the back of my brain, I've got to have down in my heart, is what I'm saying, am I trying to bring cleansing? Am I trying to bring sanctification? Am I trying to bring freedom? If I'm not trying to allow truth to do its work in someone's life, if all I'm trying to do is argue with somebody, then I might want to keep my mouth shut until I can get my heart right. Because that, we're misusing and abusing truth. One of the things we, we talk about, so you guys know, many of you know that on the side I do um, fitness coaching. And so one of, the, one of the areas of fitness coaching is you've got to have um, a standard. You've got to have a standard. And if you don't have a standard, if you don't have a standard, then everybody's doing whatever they want to do. And when everybody does whatever they want to do and they put in scores, there, there's no way of knowing if any of the scores are legit if everybody's just making up stuff. 
I've watched, I've watched some, I've watched some people whenever it comes to, you know, you get on YouTube and I, I saw someone one time and they said that they did the, the world record for burpees in an hour or whatever the case was. A, I'm not going to do anything for an hour. B, I'm certainly not going to do a burpee for an hour. And so, so this person was doing the burpee, but it was, it was not the same standard that I hold to on a burpee. And so therefore, in my brain, I went ahead and just discounted them, right? I thought, that's not real. That ain't real because you're doing it wrong. You got to have a standard. You got to have a standard. And when you have a standard, honestly, it kind of sets you free because you know I've got a standard. I know that what I'm doing, I may have to be slower than everybody else. I may have to be weaker than everybody else, but at least I know I'm doing the standard. At least I know I'm doing it right. And so therefore, I feel good about what I'm doing. But whenever you don't quite know the standard, and then all of a sudden you're unsure, am I doing this right? Am I, am I actually getting fitter? Am I actually helping? And so it's good to have that standard. It's good to have that truth in all areas of life. We need that in our jobs. If you have a truth in your job, if you understand what's expected of you, if you know right off the bat, the, the worst thing about having a job is when you don't know what's expected of you. When you don't know what you're supposed to, am I hitting a goal or not hitting a goal? Everything's very vague. And so, so now you're, you're constantly in this turmoil of not understanding, am I doing the right thing? And now I'm stressed. But whenever I know there's a standard, now all of a sudden I can have more freedom in what I do. So those are the three things that truth does. And now we're going to finish today with a couple of things on how truth works. How do we use it? Because the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, listen to this part, rightly handling the word of truth. So Paul tells Timothy, here's the best thing you can do, buddy. Young pastor, trying to get things off the ground, trying to start a church. Here's what you need to do, Timothy. You need to know how to handle the truth. You need to understand how truth works, how to give it out, how to, how to live it out. You need to know how to handle the truth. And so, so there's four ways that truth works, um, and, and I, I promise I'm almost done. The first way truth works is truth works with grace. Truth works with grace. John 1, uh, 14 and 17, talking about Jesus, Jesus is considered the word here. John, when John writes his, his gospel, he calls Jesus the word. And so he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the son, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Skip down to verse 17. And it says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Throughout the scriptures, we find places where grace and truth operate. The Bible says that Jesus healed a man at, at the pool of Bethesda and, and got the guy up and um, he was crippled. And whenever he healed him, Jesus came back to the same guy later and he told the guy, he said, it's great that you're healed. Now go and stop sinning or something else is going to happen to you. Jesus gave this guy grace. He didn't ask for him to be perfect before he got healed. He didn't say you got to go uh, repent and, and, and wash your sins and take communion and pray the prayer before I'm going to heal you, before I'm going to touch you. No, Jesus had grace on this guy's life, but at the same time, he also had truth. He said, I'm giving you grace and I'm telling you, stop doing what you're doing or something worse is going to happen. Something beyond this life is going to happen if you don't stop sinning, you're going to have Another life after this. Jesus, the Bible says in, in John 8 that they caught a woman in adultery. Many of you know this story. 
And the Bible says that Jesus looked at her once everybody had left. And he said, where are all your accusers? She said, they left. And he said, uh, he said well, neither do I condemn you. Grace. But then the next words he says is, go and sin no more. Truth. And so what we do sometimes is we get caught in either grace or truth. But we very rarely operate in both. And Jesus finds himself using both all the time. So as a church, what is our value going to be in this? Our value is going to be that we got to be a church that operates in grace and truth. We welcome everyone to come through the doors because God loves everyone. But at the same time, we don't hold back the truth just because we welcome you in here. Because the truth is we've all sinned and fallen short. The truth is I don't want to leave here the same way I came in. I want to be different when I walk out those doors. Me, and I'm the preacher. And so I want to change. I want God to work in my life. I want grace and truth. The second thing that it says, uh, that the way truth works is truth works. It works with grace, but it works in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. We have to speak the truth in love. Why? Because we know that the truth is for cleansing, sanctifying, and setting free. So I've got to speak the truth in love. If I love this person, I'll speak the truth to them. But I'll speak it in a manner that, that shows my love, not my hatred, right? The Bible says, uh, well, not the Bible. Well, yeah, let's go to the Bible. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I went to Mardi Gras one time as an as a 18, 19-year-old kid, and I went down there with one purpose, and that was to witness, right? Like, I wasn't going down there to party. So, me and some of my friends... We go to Mardi Gras, we're in New Orleans, and we're down at the French Quarter. And while we're down at the French Quarter, we set up shop to talk to people about Jesus right across the street from a group of Christians who had big signs that said, God hates, and then put out the, the whatever derogatory term for people that you want to put on the sign. They had multiple signs, and they were constantly spewing out how much God hated people, how much he was going to cause them to burn in hell. Like, that was their whole concept. They were all about the truth side, and not at all about the grace side. They were all about the truth side, but they had no love in them whatsoever. And so they were spewing stuff. It turned out we were there to witness the people that were lost. And we ended up witnessing to the Christians that were there trying to witness to the lost people. We got more arguments in with them than we did with anybody else. Most of the, most of the people that were, that were drunk and partying, they had better conversations with us. Those guys didn't want to hear what we had to say. Here's the problem that we find ourselves in sometimes. We think that God hates sinners. But the Bible says that he's being patient doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, and wants everyone to repent. Folks, God doesn't hate sinners. God hates sin. God hates sin. And the truth is, He is being patient with us, wanting us to repent. Now, if we choose to not repent, in John, I'm not going to get into this because I've I got to hurry, but in John chapter 3, Jesus talks to a guy and, and in the conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus, he tells him things like, you've got to be born again. In other words, you've got to change your life. You've got to repent. He tells him things like, judgment is coming. But he also tells him things like, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. And so the guy, Jesus is giving this guy 
truth, and he's doing it with a heart of love. He's saying, yeah, there's a place of judgment. Yeah, there's a place of hell. But there's also a place of forgiveness. There's also a place of redemption. There's also a place where your life can be transformed. I don't care how you were born. You can be born again in me. And so we got to have truth, but we got to have love because truth works in love. So truth works with grace. It works in love. And then truth works best when it's lived out. Truth works best when it's lived out. Have you ever been on an airplane before and they give you the whole spiel about the mask falling down? And one of the things they say about the mask is if you're traveling with a young person, you put your mask on first. And I remember my wife and I, first flight, she said, I would never do that. I would always put the mask on my kid first. And I said, you better not because you're both going to die. Because here's what happens is if you choose to not put the mask on you first, then while you're trying to get a mask on your kid, you're going to pass out. And now your kid doesn't have a mask, so now they're going to pass out. And then with the lack of oxygen, they die. With truth, it's best lived out. We've got we've to live this stuff out. We've got to put our mask on first. Jesus said this. He said, don't be so concerned about the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a whole stick sticking out of your eye. He said, fix your stick first, and then you can worry about the speck. In John, uh, 3 John 1, I love this. It's so cool. I think I've said that like five times today. I love God's word. It really is good. Um, you ought to read it sometime. 1 John 1, 3 and 4 says this. Now, this is John speaking to some of his disciples. He's written this to his disciples. And he says, Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know what makes me happy as a pastor? Whenever my church, our church, walks in the truth. When we're seeking the truth of God, when we're living the truth of God, that makes me the happiest. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this in verse 15. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, right here, it's going to say all Scripture is inspired, right? And we're going to get to that part. But what we think sometimes is all Scripture is inspired for me to tell other people about it. But I want you to read this carefully. All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our own lives. It corrects us when we're doing wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Truth works the best when we live it out. When it becomes a part of who we are. And this is the final one and we're going to pray. Truth works from the inside out. Truth works from the inside out. One of the best ways for you to get healing in your life, one of the best ways for you to get set free from your addiction, one of the best ways to overcome sin, to be sanctified, is to make sure that you've got truth in your inmost place. I look around, I see a lot of teenagers in the room, and and I just... I remember being a teenager. I, I remember there being a time in my life when I, I thought I had to live up to everybody else's standard. I thought I had to be who everybody else was. And, and I remember my life being so chaotic on the inside because I knew who I was supposed to be, but I tried to be like everybody else. I remember as a young pastor, um, always being compared, uh, being compared to my dad. And, and I remember people telling me, well, you're not the spiritual guy like your dad is. You're kind of the funny guy. And so they thought I was a comedian. And that's what I took to heart. I thought, well, all I'm ever going to be is a funny guy. I'll never be spiritual. 
And I remember struggling with that. And I remember trying so hard to be someone else and trying to preach like someone else preached and, and, and trying, to, trying to act like someone else acted. And, and until, the, until it finally came down to the fact that I had to learn to be truthful in my inmost place. I remember struggling with sin for years and years. Never willing to admit that I was a sinner. Never willing to admit, oh, I would come down to the front and I would worship God and I would raise my hands and I would read my Bible and I would go to all the camps and conventions and, and I would get on stage and I would preach my heart out. But on the inside, I knew there was an issue. And it wasn't until I learned to get some truth inside and begin to expose my life to the truth that I got freedom. Psalm 51. We read this a couple of weeks ago when we are talking about David. Psalm 51, 6 and 7, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret place. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. How do we find truth in the inmost parts? We learn how to confess, repent, and repeat. Confess, repent, repeat. I'll say this every Sunday if I have to. Repentance is something that's a value at our church. It's just something we're going to do. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to make it a scary word. We're going to make it a part of who we are. We're going to be willing to talk to someone. I'm going to have, I'm going to have everybody stand up. And when I do, I'm going to have a prayer team come down to the front. Go ahead, stand up with me. And here's what's going to happen at that prayer team. Whether it's tonight or whenever we do our upper room service at the end of the month, we want to have an opportunity for you and me to go to someone and, and talk to them about what's going on in our life. We need people in our life that are willing to listen to what we've got happening and willing to pray with us without judging us, but be able to speak the truth, be able to pray the truth over us. So every Sunday morning, that's what we do. Well, Gabriel, repent just means I got some really bad sin. No, repent doesn't mean you got a bad sin. Repent means that you've got a bad mindset. Repent means I'm, I'm thinking one way and I need to change the way I think and I need to turn and think God's way. And so you may need, uh, you and I may need to repent today. We may need to repent of, of how we run our finances. Maybe we need to repent of how we're parenting. Maybe we need to repent of how we're doing at our jobs. Maybe we need to repent of sin, something that's actually bad. But maybe we just need to repent of maybe doubting and living in fear. Repentance not a bad thing. What it does is it gives us truth in our inmost heart. In the deepest part of who we are. If you're struggling with fear today and you're saying, I'm scared about the doctor's report or I'm scared about whatever, can I encourage you to repent? Confess it, repent, and next week, repeat. Do it again if you have to. It's okay. I want to pray for you this morning. If you need prayer, I want you to come down. They're going to sing for a second, and then Pastor Mike's going to come up and take communion with us, and then we're going to dismiss. But, but first, let's, let's pray. God, I just pray for everybody in this room right now. Everybody that hears my voice, I just pray that you would begin to speak to our hearts, that you would deal with us, God. If there's an area of our life where we need some truth spoken over us or spoken into us, we just ask today that you would let your truth infiltrate our lives. God, we want to be cleansed, we want to be sanctified, and we want to be set free today. And we know that only your truth can do that. And we thank you, God, that we, we go to a church where we operate with truth and grace, truth and love, and we try to live it out, God. And so, God, today, help us find truth in that inmost part. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer for anything today, as they sing this last song, I want you to slip out of your seat, come down to the front, let's pray with you, and then we'll take communion in just a minute.